Crime Show, featured here in the Scum and Villainy Cantina, owned by J.C. Reifenberg. Tonight, we have on the podcast, producer Matt Walker, and me, I'm your uh, announcer guy that does things, and I'm Robbie Carlin, oh my god! But we have the big guy, the dude, the awesome, he's Steven Kramer. Hey! Great job, Robbie. That was really good. You did great. I mean, you're no Mike Glazer or Mike Black, but you're Robbie Carlisle. He he beat Mike Glazer in an announce-off. Yeah, you're right. With Josh Robert Thompson. Yeah, when we had Josh Robert Thompson on the show, he beat him. He beat his... I beat he him beat off. his ass. He, oh. beat, he beat him and, off. And we learned about Robbie getting <laughs> beaten in school that time, too. Yes, we really did. <laughs> um, we are at a, a very exclusive, very amazing place. Now, I, I first heard about this, uh, this place, the Scum and Villainy Cantina. I heard about this maybe about a year ago or so that I heard it was coming to Los Angeles. And, uh, and I, I mean, I immediately was like, oh, my God, how do you even... How do you even go to something? Describe like that? what it what, is. Okay, so I'm describing to you what, what this is. It is in the photos that I saw, mm-hmm. and in reality, it is oh so much more. Uh, it is the cantina set from the Moss Eisley Cantina from Star Wars, mm-hmm. from the first uh, Star Wars: A New Hope. And uh, I have the cantina toy set uh, mm-hmm. from 1986 or 82 or when it, wherever it's from, uh, in my cabinet at home with all my Star Wars toys. And I've always been a fan of that scene more than anything else because that's the one where uh, all the aliens are in that scene. That's Greedo. Yeah, that's it's, Han the, it's the Solo. one where Greedo it's, shot at Han Solo, and then Han Solo returned fire. That's, oh, that's that the is scene. not how it happened, <laughs> you son of a bitch. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, that is the way that I remember Star Wars. When I yeah. think of Star Wars, that's the scene. You know, all the different aliens, all the different creatures, and they're all hanging out at the bar together. And that's where really the magic first kind of unravels for mm-hmm. me for uh, for that first film, where you start to really feel like, oh, this is another world. There's yeah. creatures and robots and monsters and aliens and stuff. And uh, in Force Awakens, it was the first thing that they went for uh, to try to remake was. Uh, they try to make like a cantina type set mm-hmm. uh, in that in that film for what's her name? What's the character's name? Do you Ray? remember? Maz Maz Kanata. Maz Kanata. Oh. Right, right. Which got destroyed. It got knocked yeah. down. You know, during it. Which is you know. So uh, continue describing where we. So, anyways, are. the yeah. point is. Get to the point. Enough of your I, backstory. I, I see. I see <laughs> the that this thing is coming to Los Angeles, and mm-hmm. uh, it, you know when it first came, it was it was a little expensive to to come to it, and I wanted to like I wanted to go, but I was like, oh man, I don't know if I can afford. And I don't know. So I'm, can, I'm going to jump in because please. people keep saying that it's it's fifty dollars. Maybe, maybe it's maybe fifty dollars. I had but heard that it was more money. For fifty dollars, you get we're on Hollywood Boulevard, right? right. Not far from yes. Hard Rock Cafe and all these tourist destinations. You're going to spend fifty bucks in for, twelve minutes of Hard Rock Cafe. For fifty dollars, you yeah. get two drinks, mixed oh drinks. God. You get a souvenir alcoholic pint, drinks. You, alcoholic yeah. drinks. Get out you of get, here. You get a souvenir glass and a challenge coin that's like a metal military style challenge coin which you can use for re-entry for free or if you're like i like this thing you can show it to our bouncer and anytime we have walk-in availability we're not sold out it's 10 bucks cash to get back in oh my god so, so we yeah, are if, if you price us out we're actually cheaper than going to hard rock cafe and we're a one-off versus hard rock cafe which is like a multinational absolutely corporation so you get 
a lot of bang for that fifty dollars. Absolutely, that's a 100%. that's a great deal. And yeah, I think milk. I think that it's good for you to clear to clear that up to people because you know people that like me that are like huge Star Wars fans they want to be able to to walk into a Star Wars set and and walk into like that world and when you come here you have these amazing people you have cosplayers and uh, you have guys and I, I, there was a hammerhead the other night standing at the bar mm-hmm. uh, there were, there's characters from Rogue One and from Last Jedi and from Force Awakens Empire Strikes Back and they're all just hanging out like it's amazing it's so cool so we are so we're not we're not a licensed bar we're not a, a actually a Star Wars bar sure we're, we uh, and what I did is, uh, you know, I grew up on those movies, but I also loved all the other sci-fi movies a lot. Like uh, you know, Ahmed Best, who was on mm-hmm. earlier, talking about I-, I loved all of it. Yeah. yeah. So it's it's taking uh, something that we've all seen a million times, drawing inspiration from it, and creating something that when you walk into feels familiar. It feels like home, absolutely, uh, but doesn't step on the toes of. Lucasfilm or Disney or Paramount or or whoever owns Battlestar Galactica now, Sci-Fi Channel, whatever sure, it of is. Course, yeah. Um, and p- a big part of that is uh, appealing to the people who love that stuff. Uh, it much in the way of like this is like the cheers for sci-fi fans, mm-hmm. of course. You know, and obviously it's uh, you know Star Wars, at least in my opinion, is the biggest you know, sci-fi saga, you know, people, there are more Star Wars fans than probably like Stargate and Firefly and everything combined times 10. Right. So we get a lot of those cosplayers in here, like you said, Hammerhead mm-hmm. and Greedo and Ponda Baba. But I noticed too, you have people from other sci-fi worlds showing up and hanging out in the cantina. Yeah, I mean, there's there some... Are, I saw Star, yeah. some Star Trek like people, me. absolutely. There's some, uh, you know, some people get caught in Borg temporal vortexes <laughs> and they show up with their in their Starfleet uniforms. And that's some of the most fun for me because, look, I've been to every Star Wars celebration. I've been to Comic-Con. I've seen big groups of Stormtroopers. I've seen big groups of uh, Twilight Dancing Girls, Slave Leia's. Sure. I've seen all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But the thing that I don't get to see very often is... Uh, you know, Jane and Kaylee from Firefly having a drink with Captain Kirk and Han Solo. To me, that's where this place Mm -hmm. really shines. You know, you can get some cool Instagram photos when you're dressed like, uh, you know, a Twilight here. But what's the most fun for me is when I get to watch, uh, you know, the genres and the different properties mix and mingle because Mm -hmm. that's stuff that you don't get to see at a Star Wars celebration. That's stuff that you don't get to see at a lot of these different yeah. places. And, uh, you know, this bar doesn't have any television sets. We don't have uh, memorabilia on the walls because to me, this is, like you mentioned before, this right. is a play set. And yeah. it's, it, it is the opportunity for all of us to be action figures. Mm-hmm. And when I was Genius. a kid, I didn't just play with Star Wars action figures. I would mix my Star Wars with my Thundercats and Lionel and Luke Skywalker and Prince Adam from <laughs> He-Man right. would all team up to try to try to, you know, beat Cobra Commander and Mumra and uh Shredder. You right. know what I'm sure. saying? Yeah. Like I didn't I wasn't so exclusive with just like, ah, oh, these this you know, these guys don't play nice with these guys. I wanted the big battle. I mean, I still want to watch that movie, right? How mm-hmm. cool would that be? Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, 
Um, I used to write. So I used to write fun. short stories as a kid, where I'd hang out with Luke Skywalker and get to fly around the X-wing. But then the Ninja Turtles would come and help, and we'd <laughs> and you know it was a part of that. Yeah. you know, creative writing at the time is taking creative characters and mixing them all together. Yeah. Did you guys ever see uh, Battle for the Cartoon All Stars? That was like that anti-drug yeah. cartoon yeah. Uh, that came out. God, it was probably like 86 or 87. It was. It was like the Smurfs and Michelangelo and Alf and Garfield. And oh like they God. all teamed up to get this guy that off was of like drugs. The, oh my that's God. like the cartoon version of like the West Coast Rap All-Stars doing We're All on the Same Gang. What? <laughs> where, really? Where Easy yeah. e and MC Hammer and uh, uh, the Humpty Dance uh, Digital Underground and all those guys, oh young God. MC, were all in one song together. It's like the cartoon version of that. Wow, it really cool. was. And the thing is, like, drugs inspired most of those cartoon characters, I'm pretty sure. Oh, probably. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, yeah. So it was ironic. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So now, this place here... Um, have you done this other places before Los Angeles? Was it somewhere else and it moved here or how did this No, I'm, a, I'm actually a filmmaker. Mm-hmm. And so the genesis of the idea was... And uh, by filmmaker, I mean you're a real filmmaker. You produced a lot of movies for Kevin Smith and for a bunch of other uh, wonderful people. Yeah, so I work a lot with Kevin Smith. Uh, I was a producer on his last movie, Yoga Hosers. I worked on Tusk. I've done some of Kevin's TV specials. Mm-hmm. Um and uh, I, I do his Fat Man on Batman podcast, uh, if you guys watch that on YouTube. Um, and so that's like the world I come from. But obviously, just like everybody here, I grew up on, you know, movies and things like that. And this is just a place I always wanted to hang out. Mm-hmm. And uh, a few years ago, I started dating a girl who designs bars and restaurants for a living. Mm-hmm. I brought her back uh, to my mom's house where I grew up and I'm surrounded by all of the things I grew up with and the, you know, tumblers and the locks started to click into place. And I was like, you know what we could do? Uh, we could, we could build a, like a sci-fi bar inspired by the cantina. And, uh, and she was like, get out of here. And I was like, no, I think we could. So we mm-hmm. reached out to some of the, uh, bar and restaurant people that she, has designed lots of stuff for in in Los Angeles, and they were like, "Yeah, let's try it." And wow. so here we are. Oh my god! You know what I'd love and to see now that I'm thinking about it. Yeah, I want to see that bar rescue guy come in here when there's a bunch of cosplayers in here. <laughs> and have them yell at like a bunch of aliens and stuff, and watch that interaction. Pull your act together! That there's guy, a YouTube video for that you. That right guy there. <laughs> having a fucking meltdown. <laughs> Hammerhead, get your shit off the ground, Hammerhead. Yeah. So that guy's uh, the worst. When you found this location, you're like, I'm gonna put it in here. Like, oh you no, no, no wait. Tell tell Matt the story about the other uh, the other place that you had seen. Oh, so uh, the the reason that my girlfriend and I were back mm-hmm. in Chicago to begin with is. Uh, they opened a Saved by the Bell pop-up yeah. in Chicago. I remember seeing that last year on TV. Justin Turner from the Dodgers went there, and they have this show called Backstage Dodgers, and they follow the players around while they're on the road. And he went there with his girlfriend, and they had like the guy who does magic. On oh, yeah, from, Max. He, yeah, yeah. Magic Max was around, and he's there doing table magic and all this yeah. stuff. Yeah, so my, my girlfriend loves Saved by the Bell mm-hmm. the way that I love Star Wars. And yeah. so we actually flew to Chicago to go to this diner, and uh, it was it was cool, mm-hmm. but you know it from from the one angle that they ever shot the diner from the show in, it looks just like the diner. Yeah, and um, 
And so we went in and we had a brunch and we took some photos mm-hmm. and we went home and we were like, well, ah, I bet we could do something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you guys have like a rule of cosplayers? Like if you're like 300 pounds, do you get to be Slave <laughs> Leia? Like do you guys have... One is of, there a Slave Leia costume that Robbie can wear? Oh, <laughs> That's the question. There is. Uh, if you go on our Instagram or Facebook, one of the first Slave Leias that we actually had in here was morbidly obese. Was <laughs> a dude who was so hairy and so awesome. I saw him when I pulled up. For the evening, I parked my car, and it was one of those real windy days. The Santa Anas were blowing, and this guy went for it. Like, no underwear, just walking down Hollywood Boulevard, flapping in the breeze, and uh, yeah. So, yes. So, yes. You could come in here as we are an equal opportunity, you know, uh, slave Leia encouraged. (laughs) I once saw uh, one of the the funniest uh, cosplays I've ever seen in my life was a 350 pound man dressed up as Boba Fett. (laughs) Boba Fett. And and Boba Fett. And he was, (laughs) but he was wearing a jetpack and everything in me was like, that jetpack ain't getting <laughs> Like, it just killed me. It was yeah. so fucking great. I, I mean, like, as a big guy, I'm always trying to figure out what's a good cosplay move for big fellas. Uh, did you ever see... Oh, stop it. <laughs> you bastard. Do you ever see any big guys come in dressed as anything cool? Because I saw, the last time I was here, I saw a guy dressed up as, uh, like, a big droid looking like ro- half robot, half man with thing with lights all over him. Oh, stuff. yeah, yeah, he was, yeah. He was so fucking awesome. He was kind of like Buzz Lightyear-ish. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was really neat. Like like sci-fi, ver- like a sci-fi version of Buzz Lightyear. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, man, I don't know. I mean, at, at Star Wars Celebration, I've seen Gamorrean Guards, oh, which oh, yeah. are always good. Yeah. Or uh, the Rancor Keeper is oh, always a favorite yeah. one. Sure. Yeah. Um, but... You have you to know. be crying the whole time. <laughs> you yeah, could, you're uh, very sad. Even just, come, just come as BB-8. I could. Just I same could. shit. Yeah, just, <laughs> just roll, roll myself up and... Yeah. and uh, so when you uh, decide you're going to build this, you find the location here in Hollywood, how long did it take you from like being like, hey, we're going to rent this venue and we're going to start building stuff until you were able to have people in? So we took over the venue February 1st. We closed February 15th. Uh, started building and then um, opened back up, I think, for the first night was like uh, April 4th. So it was like an eight-week build-up. Mm-hmm. But we literally just, I mean, we built everything. You did this all like, yourself there was hire a crew? How'd you yeah, do this? Uh, yeah, it was all me with uh, <laughs> scotch tape and and wood glue. No, um, we, we hired a contractor mm-hmm. and... Uh, did you draw up like kind of what you wanted it to look like or my, how to, like, yeah. So my girlfriend and I sat down and, uh, the challenge is, is like, how do you take things that you've seen in a movie set? Um, which are not functional, mm-hmm. right? Sure. Yeah. Uh, and how do you make them fit the fire code? And know? how do you make them fit the fire code <laughs> yeah. and how do you make it, uh, feel like I said, feel familiar, but be different enough that you're not, you know, stealing something yes. or, yeah. and, and the nice part about that is, is nothing on a movie set is functional. I've been on yeah. many movie sets, mm-hmm. like the tables in the star Wars cantina are round cocktail tables. Yeah. Do you know how annoying it is to reach 
Awful. All the way, like at arm's reach to grab your drink. Like it's not yeah. fun. All of us right now have our, t- our elbows on the table. Right. You can't do that in the Star Wars cantina. Yeah. You know, uh, they sure. can't, there's just, it's not a practical spot unless mm-hmm. uh, the people who are running that establishment on Tatooine charge $80 per drink or, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know what they're doing to make money because it's not a very... There's only seating for like 30 people in yeah. that bar. I don't know what kind of currency you know. they use in. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Maybe rent's really cheap. Maybe they're grandfathered into a good lease, yeah. but... Well, you know what? The thing that I, I... I don't mean to interrupt, but the thing that I really liked about uh, coming here for that night that we came here is that there's something about... Even though it's not a private club, it does kind of feel like a private club in some ways, right? Would you kind of describe it in some ways? Yeah, I mean, the only people who are here or who have been here so far have bought tickets months in advance. Sure. And they're all coming here for the same reason. So it's, it is like, uh, you know, if your, your grandparents were members of the Caddyshack Country Club. Or the Friars Club. Yeah, you, yeah. you know everybody who's there, and if you don't know them... You know somebody who knows them, right. or you, uh, you're all going to that yeah. country club because it's you're all there for the same reason. So it's yeah. very easy to strike up and a you've conversation. Got shared interests with shared interests, obviously, yeah. And because we don't have any television sets, uh, there's nothing here to disengage you from being in the room. And one of the coolest things for me is uh, I'm here almost every night, and you don't see people. Uh, playing bejeweled on their phone here very often yeah everybody here you're here for two hours you're engaged with the people around you and with the bartenders and with what is happening in this but space. do people play star trek timelines on their phone while they're here <laughs> you know here's the thing is i i brought rachel with me my, yeah. my girlfriend and my girlfriend fucking hates bars like she is and i we've been together yes. five years she's been with me to, to to like three bars. And you know this. Like she does not like going out. She does not like going and hang unless it's like for a big fancy event. She does not like doing stuff like that. And I was like just because she's got enough stuff going on in her life. And I was like, look, we have to go to this thing. It's super cool. It's Star Wars. It's uh it's the Scum and Villainy Cantina. We're going to sit there, we're going to hang out, we're going to watch people. And she was like, "All right, I'm going to come for 10 minutes." And she came and sat with me for 3 hours. And we just people watched for three hours sitting right there at the bar behind us and the entire time it was like she'd be like what character is that guy from what what's she what's that one from and she wore like a like a outer space style like cute little outfit and i painted my face like neon like a neon color so every time the black light hit my face i like lit up really really hot and i wore a a black leather jacket that had lights built into it. But like we had the best time. It was such an exciting such an exciting time. And even though I wasn't like dressed as an actual character from a thing, I felt like I was still totally fit into yeah, but, to it because I was in a costume. Look, as as uh as adults, right? There's so very few times per year where you can kind of let go and make believe and and play pretend and not get ridiculed for it halloween comic-con and and that's it and that's it and so this is a place where uh creative people can go and they have an outlet and it's like a safe spot for them to go you know you go down to hard rock and you've got green face paint on yeah 
even in, on Hollywood Boulevard, people are going to look at you weird and be like, don't <laughs> right. you belong yeah. like taking photos outside Grauman's or yeah. right. TLC or whatever it's called now. Uh, but here you are part of the attraction. People want to take photos with you. Mm-hmm. You show up in a, even in a mediocre costume and you, uh, people pay attention to you and people want to know your story and people want to know how you made that costume or where you came up with it or where'd you get that belt or uh, where'd you get that? Even if you're just dressed in a dress, where'd you buy that dress? It's so cute. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah. it's like, or people like, I mean, at Comic-Con, they spend all year building these cosplay costumes and then they have to wear them to a Comic-Con in the middle of the summer and that's in all the they heat. Get. And right. that's it. And uh, Or you can come here, hang out, uh, you get, you get two drinks. You have some nice drinks. You, you Uber. You on on down, and uh, and then if you bring someone with you, they get to experience something they've never seen before, or that they grew up seeing, but they've you know they've never gotten to see in real life, which is fucking awesome. Hey, so uh, Matt, mm-hmm. uh, you know, as always, I, I brought a bottle of Fireball whiskey to yeah. the show because Fireball time. is the best. It's the best. It makes every show better. It makes everything better, man. It makes dates better. It makes dancing better. Mm-hmm. It makes podcasts better mm-hmm. it makes shows better it makes stand-up better it makes dealing with your family better it yeah. makes uh crying better it's so much better i love i love it i'm gonna drink some right now and you know what if i hold the bottle up you can actually hear the fireball whiskey you talking. can't hear it talk yes you can i'll take the lid off All hang right. on okay now i'm gonna hold it up you can hear david david yep that's Steven. that's the fireball. Whoa. That's in the bottle. I want to be inside you. Oh, all right. Steven. Hey, fireball. How are you? I'm so horny, Steven. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure you are. All right. Now I want to do it with your stomach. Uh, well, get, in, get on in there. I'm going to drink you down, right. baby. Here we go. Yeah, swallow it. Yeah. Get in there. Ooh, oh, how does yeah. it, how's it feel in my stomach? It feels so good. Yeah. Oh my God, a sucker! Hey, who's making all that racket? Oh God, there's another man in here. Uh, Steven, oh, you yeah. are. How much uh, stuff do wait, you have in your stomach? Who's in my stomach? Who is that? He looks so handsome. Oh, that's Gary. Yeah, uh, Gary, don't you remember? Gary asked if he could. Uh, I slipped sta- down an onion ring last week, bro. <laughs> yeah, he, <laughs> yeah, he needed a place to stay. Yeah. Uh, I'm Airbnb-ing my your stomach, stomach right now. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. So, Gary, how is it in there with the? Uh, it's good, bro. I'm not. I'm not ready to blow out anytime soon, man. That's cool, man. <laughs> yeah, um, you know, uh, I'm gonna hang out in here for a while. I hope you don't mind hanging out with Fireball Whiskey. Oh, yeah. It's gonna be great. We're gonna party together. <laughs> We're gonna give him ulcers together. Yeah. Aren't we? <laughs> oh my God. Hey, let's hey. kidney stone. Scary. Let's, go. let's do a let's sloppy second. Let's be get revenge you. for him eating us, even though we want him to. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> Just kind of rolling inside. I think you should go see a doctor, Stephen. I probably should. <laughs> uh, guys, Fireball Whiskey, it makes everything better. All right, let's get back to the show. Real quick, Sean. Sean? Sean is here. Uh, Robbie, I'm going to ask you to f- switch out with Sean, if you don't mind. He's even got the uh, voice, by the way. I know, he's so it's like, rad. He's like, that's Sean, come around this side, would time. you? <laughs> come around this side, around here. My God, look at you. You look so awesome. How are you, buddy? Amazing, yes. amazing. Come come grab a seat. Come so a seat. I'll, I'll echo something. I've known Sean for a long time, and I'll echo something that he said to me a long time ago 
in like 2011 when uh how far away was he <laughs> long ago he, uh, how far sean helped me out with a, a fan film i did called hughes the forest once upon a time and he said something to me that's always stuck with me and uh i i talk about it a lot here at the bar in that uh we all can i play star wars trivia with people here mm-hmm. a lot for drinks and um and something that always stuck with me is uh, I can get teased for knowing everything about Star Wars or everything about, you know, sci-fi and all this stuff, all these facts and figures. And I dress up like, you know, outer space aliens mm-hmm. and things. And I get teased for it. I mean, you know, it's, we're kind of coming out of that, but that's the world that a lot of us grew up in. And something that Sean said is, is that knowing all the stats about Star Wars and knowing all of and, and, and getting dressed up in a costume is no different than like an Oakland Raiders fan who gets dressed up in a costume and Which puts on eye black <laughs> and knows every stat that Tim Brown yeah. ever had or every, you know, what Rich Gannon's uh, quarterback rating was in 2002 when they mm-hmm. went to uh, the Super Bowl and can throw those facts and figures yeah. out. And they have a place to go every Sunday. They can go to Big Wangs. They can go to 33 Taps. They can go someplace every Sunday. And when they walk in in their Raiders shoulder mm-hmm. pads, they see the people at these bars. And, and they they're know. like, those are my people. Yeah. And if the Raiders are playing the Denver Broncos, they know the people that are the rivalry. Mm-hmm. And we don't have that as geeks. And this is a bar where you can walk into dressed as uh, Captain Kirk and immediately you can go and you know who your rivals are or you know who your friends are. You can come in here dressed as Malcolm Reynolds from Firefly and immediately Mm -hmm. you can go and find your smuggling buddy Han Solo or, you know, you can... You'd be like, oh gosh, we got to stay away from we got to stay away from the bounty hunters. Yeah. It's interesting you brought up the the Raiders thing because that was the only thing I was thinking of when we talked about what adults get that chance to escape. And I was like, like because I'm a big Raider fan, I go to Raider games, I'll go up there and I'll do the whole face painting deal when I'm up there. And it's like a thing you get to escape in, and uh, that's one of the few outlets you have. And but that's for like if you like this particular football team, then we tend to do that. But otherwise, you kind of don't have that thing. So for nerds. This is the kind of place you want to go. Because the only other thing that I can remember anything at all like this closed, I don't know, 10 years ago in Vegas, they had Quark's Bar, mm-hmm. which I loved at the Las Vegas Hilton because I'm a big Star Trek nerd. And like you go through the attraction and you sit there and there's Ferengi and all kinds of cool stuff sitting around. And this is that same feel, which I haven't been in a venue that has had this feel in over a decade. Oh. Yeah. Nope. I just knocked my mic. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I just think it's... You know, sports bars got really popular in mm-hmm. 1979. That's yeah. like when they kind of started taking off. And that's also not too long after, you know, the NFL merger and MLB and all. And sports became really big business. And, yeah. and athlete salaries just skyrocketed right about that time. Well, we're living in a world where uh, right down the street, they shut down Hollywood Boulevard outside the Pantages and are building this giant Wonder Woman thing Yeah, right now as we do this. And, and you know, uh, six months ago, they had a giant X-Wing fighter and they mm-hmm. shut down Hollywood Boulevard and Guardians of the Galaxy 2 is on yeah. its way past a billion dollars worldwide. We live in a world where geekdom it's big business. is big business the same way that sports is big mm-hmm. business. And the the 
you know, cosplay is bigger than ever. We've got cosplay shows on Sci-Fi Channel yeah. now, but we don't have a place to go and play. And mm -hmm. I'm, I'm hoping that this is a place that can stick around a little while because this is a place we can go and play. And like across yeah. the street, Beetle House just opened like mm -hmm. two nights ago, literally across the street from here. That's a Beetlejuice theme. It, it is an unlicensed uh, Tim Burton themed okay. bar. And, and, you know, it's a place where people can get dressed up and go and meet people like them and, and go and play. And mm -hmm. I think that's important. I think it's, uh, you know, it's uh, for people who aren't, who don't love sports, it gives them an outlet to go and be sure. creative and, and show off what, what they know. Mm -hmm. Well, and if I can jump in for a second, uh, Sean Crosby here. Um, the thing that's really interesting about the Scum and Villainy bar is that we need to sort of find our tribe in a social way. And that's what this does, is it lets us come be social as opposed to being at a convention where everyone's got an agenda. Going to San Diego Comic-Con, you've got an agenda. Mm -hmm. um, I'm in the 501st and Rebel Legion, and when we go to events and do charity things, we have an agenda. This is just a place to hang out. Mm -hmm. This is the place where you come and you do meet your old friends, you meet new friends, you have something in common with everybody here. And because of that, it's a really... Um, festive and social environment that is, it is unlike any of the other places we normally go in costume. And it's kind of an important thing to be able to do that, to just come here, have a drink, detox, take some pictures with, you know, people you might not normally do. Uh, it's, mm -hmm. it's fun to kind of walk up to Mal Reynolds dressed as Obi-Wan Kenobi and ask him for a charter, you know, it's, it's, it's cool <laughs> that, that you can do that or yeah. go make fun of somebody dressed as Captain Kirk because this is in his universe, but yeah. you know, everyone kind of likes short leave anyway. So, you know, you, <laughs> so you want to go have fun with these guys. And, and for me, uh, the, the evening I got to spend here was really terrific in the sense that it was very, very social with no expectations on my time. And that's really rare as, as mm -hmm. someone who does a lot of cosplay, someone who does a lot of charity work and who plays a lot of characters. It's weird to be in a place where I don't have any responsibility and it's, that's my favorite part about this place. Mm -hmm. yeah. Now, you are a member of Five First and Rebel Legion, as you mentioned, which are two groups that are known for having some of the most authentic-looking costumes that anybody has for the Star Wars universe. And yes. for doing some yeah. incredible charity and work Great charity well. work, of course. Yeah. I mean, you guys go do tons of events. Well, that's that's our excuse to wear the yeah. nice costumes. You get to wear them, Because yeah. otherwise, we're creepy guys hanging out at the mall in Star Wars costume. <laughs> and, and nobody wants this that. This way, you're like, we're creepy guys, but we're getting some money to get to <laughs> right, the sick children. Right. Yeah, so, you, you want to ignore us. You don't want to ignore <laughs> us. So now, like, say this costume now, you're dressed as uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi. Actually, oh, no, no, no. no this is, this is Luke Skywalker. Oops. Episode fake 7, Luke Skywalker, yeah. yeah. So, so I don't bust this one out uh, very often. This here, did you make this all yourself, or do you? How, how did this come, costume come about? So what? And and I've been costuming since uh, 1977, mm -hmm. Star Wars. I was 10 when the movie came out. My very first costume was a Jawa, and mm -hmm. I was the only guy running around in a Star Wars costume. <laughs> and I was like, "What are you?" <laughs> um, so it's it's kind of been in my blood ever since then. But uh, in in this case, for the 501st and the Rebel Legion. Uh, we have certain costuming guidelines that we try to mm -hmm. uh, adhere to, and we make sure that our costumes are sort of movie quality, mm -hmm. if we can, and, and they withstand sort of up-close scrutiny. Yeah. Because the the toughest judge of character are kids. Mm -hmm. And if you walk in, like I, I play Obi-Wan Kenobi most of the time, and so the moment I walk in, uh, I have to look good, 
and I have to sound good and I have to embody that character. Mm-hmm. So if I walk in and go, yo, sup, Obi-Wan Kenobi, man, how's it going? Yeah. The, the kids will go, yeah, that's not it. But the minute I walk in and go, hello there, Obi-Wan Kenobi, how, you know, and we do the whole mm-hmm. thing with personality, they buy into it. And with the 501st and the Rebel Legion, um, we're very fortunate in that they, uh, they being Disney, allow us to use their intellectual property mm-hmm. without uh, repercussion sure. and without uh, having to pay for it as long as we're doing good things for the community. Mm-hmm. And as long as we maintain that, and I've done up to 160 events like this, oh which, which means I wear these costumes out a All lot. All the time. Yeah. And so, so in the construction of them, my wife does you know, the soft goods. She does all the clothing part of it because mm-hmm. she sews. And then I do the hardware part of it. I make the lightsabers and the fake robotic gloves. Mm-hmm. What's your favorite makeup. piece that, you, that you've made? That I've made? Yeah. Uh, definitely my car. Oh, your car is so cool. We're going to take uh, our live stream stuff outside and get some footage of the car. Yeah. But just explain it to our, to our fans. So, so we have an idea. Um, for almost 20 years, I've been taking uh, regular store-bought off-the-lot cars mm-hmm. and modifying them into Star Wars vehicles. And we have a subgroup that's called Road Squadron. Because as time went on, we started picking up people who wanted to do the same thing. And so I started in, like, 98 with a um, Honda Del Sol, which I turned into an A-wing starfighter from Return of the Jedi. And it had all of the same kind of paint markings on it. I put guns on the side. And then it it got more and more elaborate. And we started calling it the H-wing because it was a Honda. And I thought, well, since it's an H-wing, let's put R2 on the back. Yes! And it got even even bigger than that. What's the challenge with that in terms of like you're taking a car, you're modifying it, but you still need to keep it so that it's road legal. Like, how do you avoid stepping over those things? Like, like with here, you had to figure out how do how do I make a, a cantina fit the fire code? How do you make a car that you turn into an A-wing and still have it so you can drive it on the road without getting pulled over every minute and them dinging you for all kinds of stuff? Well, because it's my daily driver car and I've got two of them right now. Mm-hmm. I have that Honda and I have a 350Z, which is the one that's parked outside. Mm-hmm. Um, when I build these things, I create the design in Photoshop. I figure out what I'm going to put on them. And then I uh, talk to the California Highway Patrol mm-hmm. and I talk to the Los Angeles Police Department and I run my ideas past them and I said, what's going to get me dinged? Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean that I won't hit that you know, one in a hundred police officer who mm-hmm. tells me, okay, I'm giving you a fix-it ticket for sure. X thing. And then I go to the CHP and they in- inspect the car and like, really? He gave you a ticket for that? <laughs> that's cool. You're fine. But, you know, they yeah. sign it off and I pay my $10 and that's, that's done. But, um, you know, it's the biggest problem about having a Star Wars car is that it, you attract a lot of attention. Mm-hmm. So sure. if you want to keep a low-profile with Can't law enforcement, that's, yeah, that's yeah. not a way to do it. If you want to maintain your privacy, mm-hmm. that's not it's a not way to do it. Well, I mean, right. also all the TIE fighter cars out there, you're constantly like getting in road rage battles, trying to shoot them <laughs> out of the sky. That's, that's to, why yeah. the new one has six guns on it. So, <laughs> yes, although that, the, the proton torpedoes happened. Uh, and also, I, I was very tempted, instead of the R2 unit, I kind of wanted to put a harpoon cannon on the back oh, that, that was passenger so cool. control. Oh, yeah. I thought that would be fun. Is there, is there something that you've wanted to build that you haven't gotten to yet? I would like to build a one-to-one scale starship that we can take to events for the Rebel Legion. I'd like to do an A-Wing, or I'd like to do maybe a Jedi Starfighter, something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. Um, all of the projects that we do certainly take a lot of a lot of time and a lot of, of, of money to, mm-hmm. to do and the expertise of people 
that like aren't me. So I, I have my own areas of expertise, but I like to drag other people in going, okay, mm -hmm. you're an electronics guy, you're a robotics guy, let's do that. So yeah. it's gotta be a communal oh, yeah. thing. But some of the, the issues, there's always a project. And, and so yeah. like, like, for example, you guys have seen the movie Fanboys. Of course. Yes. Right, yeah. so Ernie Klein wrote it, Adam F. Goldberg was behind it, uh, Kyle, Kyle Newman. Newman directed it. Sure. Um, I got to work on the set when they did some reshoots, so I, I contributed a lot of stuff to George Lucas's office when they did the reshoots and George with oh, yeah. So that Millennium Falcon they hold over their head oh, is, yeah. a, is a Kenner toy painted to match the ILM model oh, because then we could trash it, right? It was sure, no problem. Sure. So, so because of my connection with that and I love the movie so much, I've been hunting for the fanboy vans and I found them. What? Mm -hmm. the, really? The stunt van and the hero van. And of course they've been sitting in a lot for what, since 2009, I guess yeah. it was the last time they used them. And they thought, oh, these will be a great rental. Nobody's rented them for anything. They haven't <laughs> right. turned up in anything. Yeah. Uh, the paint has faded to black and white, uh, oh which it did even before they finished the movie. And so I'm trying to talk them into selling those to me so we can restore them mm -hmm. and take them to conventions. Oh, that would be yeah. so which cool. Which would be great, right? Be so you show up with, a, with an actual... Because the joke in my car group, which is all movie cars, there's yeah. the road squadron, then there's a, a group called Star Car Central, mm -hmm. and those are all movie cars. So we have the Batmobile and the DeLorean and... Herbie the Love Bug and Knight Rider and, and all of that kind of thing, mm -hmm. uh, including a guy who's got like a half a million dollar Aston Martin from James Bond. Oh, wow. That he does yeah. all the modifications to and then Does it do the oil slick? Takes and all off stuff, after or? the event. <laughs> no, he puts them all on for the event. He does the event, then he takes mm -hmm. them all off and he drives home. Oh, <laughs> he's yeah. crazy. So so I'm in this group and they want um I'm I'm the guy with a car from a movie that doesn't have any cars in it. Yeah. There's no cars mm -hmm. in Star Wars. I mean you oh, can have a yeah. land speeder, I guess, but it's not road legal. Yeah. yeah. And most of them are built around golf carts, so they're not very fast. Mm -hmm. Right, So, right. you know, driving on the freeway to get to an event is Can't not, not yeah. a good thing. Yeah, exactly. So in, in this case, having the fanboys van would be incredible. So, yeah. Oh, I love that. Dan Fogler was in here last week hanging out. Hutch was in here hanging nice. out. Nice. Uh, you know very nice cool. He's, he's been doing a lot of work on the Goldbergs. Yeah. And we actually reconnected with him on an, on the Knight Rider episode. And, oh, yeah. And... Uh, Adam Goldberg is such a such a cool guy. He put me next to Dan. And so Dan's like, okay, I know you from, from Fanboys. You shot with us on Fanboys. I'm like, yeah. So during the scene where we're watching a parade and we're getting excited over Knight Rider driving by, Dan reaches over and he grabs me and he's like hitting me and shoving me around and throwing <laughs> me on the ground and giving me noogies and all this kind of stuff. And I, I kind of went, you know, Dan, I wasn't expecting that. He's like, no, it's okay. I know you. I figured it was all right. All <laughs> <laughs> right. So he must have had a blast here. Oh, yeah, yeah, he hung out in the corner booth, and uh, at the people who, when, when uh, Hutch, who lives in a carriage house, sure. not his not mom's a, garage, not a garage right. comes in, they have a good time, but what's also fun is, like, there were, uh, that night there were a couple guys from Texas, they flew in from Texas to come here, wow. yeah. and on their way out, they were like, you have a fanboy in here. I was like, I have a bar full of fanboys in here. Yeah, I was like, right. no, no, Hutch is here. Fanboy. <laughs> oh, I love it. F. And so, yeah, so it's just fun. It's like, and and nobody, I mean, uh, with Dan Fogler here, he is treated the same way as uh, when a good cosplayer comes in. Right? Yeah. Right. yeah. You know, nobody, It's it's very like, equalizing like everybody here is kind of like really cool and on equal footing and we've been open for two months and we have not had one bar fight 
Nice. Not one altercation. You know, we not can one. fix that for you. <laughs> <laughs> really, really Sounds like a challenge. Yeah. yeah. I got a, a couple stormtroopers. I mean, except here. for the one Rodian who got shot hey, well, in the corner. Oh, and but we yeah, had to screw drag that guy. But outside of that, that explains the scorch yeah. mark on the floor. <laughs> hey, uh, what about what about you, JC? What what is something that you would like to add to the bar, or that you'd like to build at some point that you haven't already? So we have a patio out front, and one of the things I want to do is uh, is finish the patio like a junkyard. And, um, we, you know, we have the windows that are kind of in the booths that look out to a setting sun or suns. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. and I want to cut windows into the partition in the front of the, the building and put a TV behind it and bring in like you, you were telling me that you had done that great uh, kind of like space. Yeah, uh, yeah, like, for Loot Crate. For Loot Crate. Done a big I want to bring all those guys in and fill the bar with aliens and shoot a bunch of stuff. So when you're walking down Hollywood Boulevard and you look through the windows, the like, the like fake windows into the bar, yeah. you actually look into the bar and you see all these aliens, aliens in here. Oh, that's, that's cool. And, and like so a that's forced perspective video. Yeah. So that's oh, something amazing. I want to do. And just you know, every literally every week, I'm just I, I'm here and I'm like, oh, I could tweak this. We're gonna put like little. Uh, you know, door panel LED switches by all the doors. So it, you know, looks like you could shoot the door and lock, you know, shoot the panel and lock the door. Love that. And, I love it. And just little things like the more I'm here, I'm like, oh, we could do this. And oh, we could do this for a couple bucks. So, uh, you know, I, 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 I'm a fan and I love it. And I want, when I walk in here, like to be completely immersed. So short of like, I mean, we can't cover the exit signs, yeah. but anything I can do to take you off of Earth and put you in another planet for the time that you're here, I want to do. Is it is it against the law to change the font of the exit sign? Uh, you couldn't I, change I it know. to Orabesh. You couldn't. <laughs> That's what I was going to ask. Cool. I was like, can we no, put it? It's it's got to remain legible. <laughs> but you can do. You can fiddle with it. So yeah. so like build something around it. Yeah. Or, yeah. Um, oh, it's such a it's such a cool location, and if you're in Los Angeles or make the trip out to Los Angeles to it's come worth to the this, trip. is a hundred percent worthwhile to come to come check out. And it's we, only fifty bucks. It gets you two drinks. You get your shirt. You get your collector no shirt. Coin. No not a shirt. You get a you get a, a coin, a, coin. Yeah. a challenge coin, a a souvenir glass, glass. and yeah. two drinks. Yeah. So and it's, two drinks. And you can buy shirts here for... You can buy you shirts here. You have to wear a shirt. They won't let you in without a shirt. Well, well depends well, on what we'll you're cosplaying see. as. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I love it. Where can people... What, what's the website for people to go to? to, to uh, okay. com is easy. Uh, if you want to go straight to the ticket site, scumandvillainycantina.eventbrite.com. Yeah! Hey, can I point something out? You Please. Have a, you have another weird fanboys connection that you may or may not be aware of, which is... Um, Two blocks south of here, Danny Trejo has his cantina, oh, sure. almost yeah. exactly in line with Trejo's this cantina, tacos. and he, of course, was the chief in uh, yeah in, in that, yeah yeah in, among Ooh. all the other awesome things that he's done. So oh, uh, I love Danny Trejo. You know, it's we could you know we could leave here and walk down and get tacos from Machete. <laughs> I mean, I <laughs> I uh, I did a my other fanboys connection is I did a short little documentary with Kyle Newman called Return of Return of the Jedi. 
that screened at the Egyptian theater a what? few years back. I remember that. Um, it was the 30th anniversary for the of 30th of the anniversary of Return of the Jedi, and we <laughs> interviewed a lot of people like Dan Fogler, Topher Grace, uh, Seth Green. Um, you know, all sorts of people reflecting on uh, Pete Wentz from Fallout Boy, reflecting on Jeez. Return of the Jedi after 30 years. And it was amazing to find out everybody says Empire is their favorite movie. When you're in public, ah, oh, it's Empire Strikes Back. But when you really start talking to people, they really, you know, ah, oh, Return of the Jedi, Slave Leia, you know. Uh, there was a lot of Jabba iconic stuff in yeah. there yeah. that really stayed with people. And, and actually, I was having this discussion with a theory about how Lucas makes his movies for, for people, where a lot of people give the prequel movies a lot of crud. Yeah. But if you look at the movies, they are made to be viewed by people who are the age of the protagonist. Mm-hmm. So episode one is made for nine-year-olds, so we get Jar Jar and Fart Chokes. Right. Episode two is made for teenagers. We get the bad Twilight romance. Mm-hmm. Uh, episode three is a lot darker. That's made for adults. People are dying and burning. I mean, their and bodies it's, right, it's really terrible. Pieces, yeah. So Star Wars is the same way. And by the time we get to Return of the Jedi, if you take out the little bears and the, and the Muppets, Jedi's kind of a dark movie. It's mm-hmm. really, really dark. And so, you know, I think a lot of people... Uh, resonated with that quite a bit. I'll, I'll echo that. The last uh, George Lucas Star Wars we got was Star Wars The Clone Wars. And if you watch season one of The Clone Wars, it's, hey, Sky Guy, blah, and you're like, eye roll, because I started watching that. I was 30-something <laughs> right. years old. But by the last season of Clone Wars, you had Anakin Skywalker pummeling his wife's ex-boyfriend. And like doing crazy stuff, and you're like, oh my gosh, this is a kid's show. But people, kids who started watching that show when they were 11 years old, seven years later when they wrapped that show up were 18, and all of a sudden they're dealing with these issues of like, oh my gosh, my best friend dated this girl, and now I'm dating, but she still talks to my best friend, what should I do? Well, don't do what Anakin Skywalker <laughs> don't, don't did. Don't pull out right? a lightsaber yeah. and start to... So there's less... I mean, they, they, you're absolutely right. They really Look, did. Yeah, those movies, you grow with those movies. You know, I mean, you know, that first, that first Star Wars A New Hope, like, you go into that having no idea what, you, what you're getting into, you know? And mm-hmm. as those movies grow, you kind of... They get more mature and you get more mature. Right. And, and I know that a lot of people you know, had issue with uh, Phantom Menace and with uh, Clone Wars and stuff like that. But, like, kids that grew up watching those films don't know... It's it's the the Goonies thing. It's like, we had our time. Right. And the prequels were their time. And it's not that we didn't enjoy those movies or bits of How do you feel about the films now, about Force Awakens and... uh, and Rogue One and Last Jedi. All right. So I really enjoyed Episode 7. And obviously, I'm dressed like Episode 7 Luke. So it resonated yeah. mm-hmm. with me. On, I, just re- I just rewatched it. Did you? Like, okay. I, I just rewatched uh, it like, like within the last couple of and, days. And I have, I've been fortunate enough, because we're here in Hollywood, I've been yeah. fortunate enough to attend the, the premieres for Episode mm-hmm. 7 and so for cool. Rogue One. And so my wife and I left the Chinese theater uh, on opening night. And she was in tears and she couldn't complete a sentence. Now my wife, for whom I've been married uh, like 27 years, she likes Star Wars just okay. It's just all right. It was a thing that was part of her childhood, but she's not like, oh, Star Wars, whatever. So when she walked out of The Force Awakens, 
with tears coming down her face and the inability to articulate, it wasn't because she was moved by the events of the movie. Sure. It was because she finally had a Star Wars that resonated with her. Right. And if she had had that movie when she was 10, she would have been exactly like me. And, yeah. and Rogue One did the same thing for me because it, it tied so well into episode four that I walked out of there and I couldn't complete a sentence. I'd start to talk and my voice would break. It, 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 uh, I was talking to John Knoll afterwards and we were talking the finer points of special effects. And he's like, but what did you think of the story? And I said, you know, for lack of a better description, it kicked me right in the childhood. It, oh, it hit me God. exactly where Dude, uh, I was when I was 10 years old at the Chinese theater watching Star I'll, Wars. I'll echo that exact same sentiment, sentiment where I saw Force Awakens with a giant group of people, uh, some people who had been in the movie and worked on the movie, mm-hmm. and, uh, and it was cool to see some of that stuff, but it broke the fourth wall a lot for me. There was a lot of, hey, remember this. And for right. me, I'm 36 years old. I never forgot it. So... Uh, much like this bar, when I see a Star Wars movie, I want to be, I want to get transported somewhere else. And the Total problem immersion. I had with Force Awakens was every seven or eight minutes, I, w- I, I had a sign held up that said pop culture. You trash compactors yeah. and probe, you know, training remotes and degeneric boards and things like that. And for, I know for a lot of people, they loved that because they felt like, oh, this is my Star Wars. But for me, it pulled me out of that. Rogue One, though, was... Which com- did the same thing, to be fair. Only once, though, with the Ponda Baba reference. That really Every other out. reference, it, to me, informed character. So you had a right. degeneric board in, in uh, Rogue One, but it was made out of rocks. And to me, that was like, oh my gosh, these rebels are so poor that the smuggler can afford a degeneric board, but they can't even afford to pay the electricity on the hologram. And, uh, you know, Red 5 died. Right. Well, Opening Red up Five that is Luke. Slot for Luke. Yeah. Open up the slot for Luke, and Blue Squadron is on Scarif when it gets hit, and so that's why Blue Squadron isn't attacking. So, as a fan, the fan service that was paid to me connected the dots mm-hmm. rather than hold it up, held up a big sign that said "We know Star Wars too." It was kind of like "We're with you." And I stood up at the end, and I liked the prequels, but I stood up at the end of Rogue One. I said, "This was the Star Wars movie yeah. that I." I when I was a little boy, wanted to see. Wow. Because it was my, that, to me, was my Star Wars. You know what, though, real quick. When I, uh, when I saw... I, saw I, I know we have to wrap things up, but when I saw Force Awakens in the theater, I saw it uh, four times in the theater. Uh, the first time I saw it was at the uh, TLC Chinese, um, which is the most amazing theater, I think, in the world. If, like, if you is, need to see a Star Wars movie somewhere as a destination, that is where you need to go. It is the yeah. biggest screen. Everything looks insane. It's an IMAX. It's in 3D, and it's just gorgeous. Like, and just as I recall, they have something like 96 surround speakers in oh, there. It's God. mind-numbingly beautiful. It is amazing. I saw it, First time I saw it, I, I was absolutely in love with it. Second time I saw it, I was angry about a bunch of things. Third time I saw it, I had I was really upset and did not. I was mad at uh, the the Finn character a lot. Like I was like, this guy's such a lying sack of shit the whole time. <laughs> yeah, he yeah, just yeah. lies his whole way through the fucking movie. Yeah. I was so mad at him the whole way through. And then I ju- and then I saw it a fourth time with my mom and uh, loved every single minute of it. And then I watched it recently on a plane. And when I watched it on the on the flight, I was like, it 
is so bizarre how emotionally connected that movie is where every, like there like there are sure there are moments where they are telling you it's a Star Wars film but there are moments in that movie where I am like devastated emotionally by it by the time it ends I'm like I, I was I and I I love the original I mean the original three films are so incredible but I never watched uh, A New Hope or Return of the Jedi or Empire Strikes Back and felt like I was going to tear up, you right. know, or get like, like my heart was getting torn out while I was watching it and watching. Uh, well, the, the first time I saw Empire, when yeah. I was in the first grade, going to the movie theater and you find out that Darth Vader is Luke's father. Yeah. That was that moment for me where I was just like, my whole world was shattered. Wow. Everything that I knew about the world completely changed because I was six years did, old. Can I ask, did yeah. you, because I'm was not born at that point. I've grown up in a world where Darth Vader was always Luke's dad. It was just part of, of what you knew growing up. It like, this is your mom, spoiler. this is your dad, and Darth <laughs> Vader is Luke's dad. Yeah. Did you think he was lying? Did you go, hey, Alex, he's a bad guy, he's lying? I didn't want to believe it, so it wasn't until Jedi came out when I was like, okay, I guess that really is true. So, but, but Luke believed it. Yeah, and so you kind of believed it because Luke believed it. Yeah, yeah like I, I mean, it's it's so. Long. I mean, I'm trying to think back to 1981, or you know, so it's kind of hard for me to remember exactly how I felt. But I remember at the time, the first time I saw that movie, I was like, <sighs> like I had that same no reaction. I mean, like that was me. Like, you know, <laughs> it's not true. It's not true. Like I was That's that awesome. thinking the same thing with the character because you know I was six or seven years old when I came out. So it's well, listen guys, we could talk about this all day long, but, bef- but we, we got to wrap things up. Sean, uh, tell people where people can find you. Tell the internet where people can look you up. Oh, sure. Well, and, um, and I want to be able to, we want to go and take a look at your, uh, for me, it's, it's, it's all about, uh, it's all about Facebook and Twitter and social media, mm-hmm. Instagram. You can find me as OB Sean C O B I S H A W N letter C. And you can contact me there. If you want me to come to events, you've got something exciting going on. Mm-hmm. I'll put you in contact with the 501st and Rebel Legion if you want to want to hook up there. Great. And uh, on Facebook, too, you can go to Road Squadron, R-O-A-D Squadron, and you can find the cars there. It's called yeah. Car Fighters Coast to Coast. And if you were just at Star Wars Celebration, you saw 17 or 18 of our cars there in Orlando. We drove from Los Angeles to Orlando and back oh 5,200 miles. Uh, it was it was crazy. It the was number crazy. of stairs you must have gotten on the freeways. Uh, <laughs> well, and the worst thing is like I incalculable. Meet, I meet everybody through their camera phone, so yeah. their camera phones are sticking out the window, and the guys who scare me are the motorcycles, who are like riding their bike and they're trying to take pictures. I'm like, <laughs> oh I will fall over if you don't crash under my wheels. <laughs> oh my you know? lord! So it's That's yeah, I'm amazing. I'm really easy yeah. to find. Just do a search on on Google for Star Wars car and do that anyway in Google Images because not only will you see me you'll see the other 30 guys who have made really That's cool awesome. Star Wars vehicles and some are tributes with lots of stickers some are characters where they're like the Stormtrooper truck or something like that and then some are actual spaceships like mine I love it and we all have our own level of crazy as we do it it's really I love fun. it alright what about you JC tell people where they can find you oh at Reifenberg on Twitter which good luck spelling that and uh, I mean Probably the best place to find me is to come to the bar on yeah. any given night. And, and this how is do they get tickets again? 
Uh, Scum and Villainy Cantina dot Eventbrite dot com. Mm-hmm. Get uh, your tickets for June. How's uh, is is June? Are there still tickets? Any June tickets is left. We still have tickets in June. So All right, we'll jump get your tickets. And, oh, get your some. tickets and go get some tickets, and we'll see you here. Uh, Matt, where can people get you? Uh, you can find me on all sites at funnymat.com or if you want to argue with me and claim that Han actually did shoot Greedo first, you can tell me at mattwalkersucks.com. You son of a bitch. <laughs> also, you can get me at Stephen Glickman, S-T-E-P-H-E-N Glickman on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Don't forget to subscribe to the Nighttime Show podcast. We have another episode coming up live shortly. Thanks for listening. Love you guys. 40th anniversary. Star Wars. Remember, the horse will be with you. Yeah,